Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Title IX is not being utilized as it was intended. And studies show that there is still a real discrepancy in college athletics between men's and women's sports. On today's special Locked On Sports Today, we will uncover truths about Title IX and look at how things can be repaired. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Those were the words in Title IX originally that started a enormous change in college athletics and then high school athletics, athletics writ large in the United States. But that system has not always lived up to its calling. And that's why we are here today. Joining me now from USA Today, Lindsay Schnell. And Lindsay, you have been part of a reporting team that has done extensive work on Title IX, in particular, Title IX in college athletics, where in particular, we have not been, as a nation, the NCAA has not been living up to this credo in, in a lot of different ways. Let's go back to the origination of this. This is the 50-year anniversary this year of Title IX. What was the original intention behind Title IX? Well, it had nothing to do with sports, which a lot of people are surprised to learn. I was actually surprised to learn that early in this project. Um, Title IX was created to help get more women into grad schools. Uh, At the time that it was passed, there were, in 1972, there was a huge gap between uh, men's enrollment in college and women's enrollment in college, specifically in grad schools. So they passed this. No one thought it was going to have anything to do with athletics. Athletic directors and football coaches caught on to it, pushed back initially, and then people in Congress said, no, no, you're going to follow the rules. And 50 years later, we have reached a point where women are all over TV, they're all over the media, female athletes, you know, their participation numbers have increased an insane percentage. Um, and I think they're still in a lot of ways, like just getting started. And, and one of the reasons for that is we're still seeing, um, collegiate programs having to expand female programs because, um, they were non-compliant. And, and what I, when, when I went back and looked at all of this, I was, I don't want to say I was surprised because I wasn't surprised, but I thought this was established and it was canon. It was law for a long time, except there was challenge after challenge into the nineties. And even as recently as a couple of years ago, when, when the Trump administration with Betsy DeVos made changes to title nine, this has not been some smooth process from 50 years past. That is absolutely accurate. First of all, to your point that you weren't surprised uh, when you talk to female athletes 
and coaches of women's teams, they say the same thing. Sedona Prince, the Oregon women's basketball player who, you know, showed the world via TikTok about the disparities between the NCAA men's and women's weight rooms during the Mm. 2021 NCAA tournament. She wrote something for us at the beginning of the tournament this year in 2022 and basically said, when you're a female athlete, you're used to this. You're never surprised to hear that you don't have as good a stuff as the men. They aren't spending as much money. You're not getting the opportunities. Um, it has been 50 years of incredible growth. But imagine what that growth would look like if someone in the government enforced Title IX once in a while. One of the biggest misconceptions about this law is that the NCAA has something to do with it. NCAA has nothing to do with Title IX. The NCAA does not enforce Title IX. Title IX is a federal law. The NCAA is a private entity that can do pretty much whatever it wants. And don't get me wrong, it's they're an easy scapegoat, especially when you talk about the problems in collegiate athletics. But what this comes down to is the Office of Civil Rights. They are the ones that investigate Title IX complaints. But a huge issue with Title IX, a former senior woman administrator that's the highest ranking woman in any collegiate athletic department, she said to me, the whole problem is it's always, you're always playing defense. No one's ever playing offense. Title IX comes up when people complain. People are not just adding women's teams. They're not just giving women's teams money. They're not creating more opportunities for their female students on campus. Someone has to complain about it first. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, a harrowing statistic that begs for a solution. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. It's my favorite. Your friends at Built Bar have given the Coconut Brownie Chunk Bar the puff treatment. That's right. Take the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar that everyone loves. It is my favorite candy bar Full stop. And it's not a candy bar. It's a protein bar. And now it is deliciously chewy and marshmallowy, covered in 100% real chocolate. It is unbelievable. And they're only here for a limited time. So go to built.com now to make sure you don't miss out. Remember, all built bars are made with collagen protein. So I made the joke about them being my favorite candy bar, and they are. And yet, they're high in protein, high in fiber, low in sugar, low in calories. What they are able to do is incredible. It is the protein bar that truly tastes like a candy bar, but isn't. Go to built.com and check it out for yourself. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15. We need to go back a second because the idea of Title IX for some people is this very opaque idea. And so the basic idea is if you receive federal funds, um, there has to be this idea of equal opportunity. And, and that's even, I think, giving it a little bit more credence than it maybe deserves, but that if you're going to have all of these, these uh, resources allocated to the men's program, there need to be resources to the ladies' programs as well. We know, as you mentioned in the example of, of the, t- the tournament, that's not happening. So you guys at USA Today have done this incredible series on um, ways that schools have been able to get around these provisions, in part because the enforcement mechanism is uh, feckless at best. Um, What has your um, research and reporting found about how schools have actually followed Title IX? 
So this is to me the craziest stat of Title IX. In 50 years of this federal law, which applies to any school that receives federal funds. So to be clear, that includes private schools also, because a lot of students get federal funds, federal scholarships to go to private schools. No one, no one has ever had funding taken away, has had funding denied. Like, I don't want to say this is a toothless law. That's probably taking it too far, but people do not fear Title IX. Um, What our reporting has found is that schools are spending more money on their male athletes when you break it down in terms of recruiting, facilities, um, even when you break it down into scholarship dollars, which that is like a glaring Title IX violation. Schools are not giving women the participation opportunities that they're supposed to. There's in with Title IX compliance, there's what's called a three-prong test. There's one of three ways you can show compliance. The safest harbor, which is how the Office of Civil Rights phrases it, is proportionality, which means that whatever your students, if you have 57% female enrollment at your school, you should have 57% female athletes. So to do that, you need to give women enough opportunities, right? And what our reporting has found is that school, it's 87% of FBS schools on average need to give women 104 more participation opportunities, which is roughly the size of a college football team. So a lot of people talk about Title IX. They sometimes complain that it's been bad for sports. It hasn't been bad for sports. Football is a double-edged sword. It's the best and worst thing in college sports. It funds a lot of stuff, but also we put most of our resources there, and that creates problems. If, if you go back to 1992, what is remarkable is you see that this is not a new problem. In fact, there was a, a study published that is a, a landmark study that found that fewer than half of women's teams have female coaches, that just 1% of men's teams have female coaches, and there were still major male-female salary discrepancies in, in almost all instances. That is quoting directly from this study. Lindsay, why have we not been able to bridge this gap in, in college athletics? Well, first of all, we have closed the gap a lot. I think that that's worth pointing out. You know, this year, Don Staley, South Carolina women's basketball coach, one of the most decorated people in women's basketball is both a player and a coach, led her team to their second NCAA title, got pay equity at the University of South Carolina. Now, this was before they fired Frank Barton, so that kind of messed things up. But, you know, she's being paid the same as the man uh, who's coaching a basketball team at that university. That's huge. Um, The WNBA, you know, because when we talk about this, we have to talk about professional sports. They've made huge leaps. Their new CBA, you know, what the the max salary in the WNBA is a lot more than it used to be. Is it what it is in the NBA? No. Um, When you look at what Mike Krzyzewski was making at Duke, is that what Kara Lawson is making at Duke? No. But Part of what we have to talk about with this, and this came up a lot during the NCAA tournament fiasco uh, that the NCAA brought on themselves, was that the men's basketball is considered a revenue generator, men's basketball and football for the most part. But the reason that women's basketball is not a revenue generator is because of how the TV package was sold. When you separate out women's basketball, because right now women's basketball is sold in a package with every other college sport. So think the College World Series, the Women's College World Series, uh, probably track and field, lacrosse, like everything goes in one package. 
if you pull women's basketball out, which we know is growing in popularity every year, they're going to be able to make money. And then that money goes back to schools. Right now, there's no revenue sharing within women's college sports like there is, again, with college men's college basketball and then also college football, which is completely separate because of the playoff. But still, the bottom line is schools are getting money back. So we've made big strides. But I think that a big part of why it's not equal yet, and you could argue not even close to it, is because of what I said earlier, that people don't fear Title IX. You know, what happens when anyone can lodge a Title IX complaint? You can, I can, anyone listening to this podcast can log into the Office of Civil Rights and say, I think that State University, 40 miles down the road from me, is out of Title IX compliance. Then eventually they get investigated. Well, what happens is OCR comes in and they hold state university's hand through making a plan together to get Title IX compliant. They have a few years. No one is ever scared unless they get sued. So, and, and they only worry about getting sued because of potentially losing money, right? It always comes down to the bottom line. So what we need is this to be, I, I think the law needs to be updated. Um, I think that everyone, including the people in Congress, need to understand that the NCAA doesn't enforce Title IX. It's Congress that enforces Title IX. It's the federal government. It's hard because the Department of Education and the Office of Civil Rights overall, very understaffed. You know, So it's a layered issue, but what I have said at multiple points throughout this project, and I hope people go read our project at usatoday.com, Title IX, Falling Short at 50. We have multiple stories. We have more stories coming. What I have said is that every time a university was out of compliance, if they lost a football scholarship for a year, every problem would be fixed immediately. <laughs> so in the event that someone from the Office of Civil Rights is listening to this podcast right now, maybe they take that idea up the chain. There is an egregious problem where male athletes are being counted as female athletes, and there's a simple fix we can look into coming up next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews. We've got Major League Baseball, golf, MMA, racing, live betting, esports, and more. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Solutions is something that I, I really am interested in, and, and I think that's a great one, by the way. Um, one of the, the nuggets from your reporting that I just thought was gobsmacking to me was there were schools that were flat out lying about where these scholarships were going, saying they were going to female student athletes when they weren't. So if, if schools are not even going to be honest about where not just the money, but the scholarships that, that need the money are going, how do we make any sort of inroads in, in creating the kind of equity and equality that this law set out to create? So what you're talking about is our story on roster manipulation, where we examine the three common ways that schools artificially inflate their rosters to make it appear that they have more female athletes than they do. A great example is they count male practice players. Most women's basket, division one women's basketball programs across the country use male practice players for a lot of different reasons. They have anywhere from like 
seven to 12 guys. Uh, the University of Michigan had some in the 20s. It was crazy. So the Department of Education allows schools to count those male practice players as female athletes. It is written into the bylaws. That is such a simple fix. Congress could fix that when you talk about solutions. And what's what's crazy is that it's written in there that you can do it, but not everyone does, right? Because other schools recognize like, this is not real. This is not really a female athlete. Also, I just have to tell you that the male practice players have no idea this is happening because we've called a lot of them and talked to them about it. And they were surprised to learn they were being considered a woman in their school's official count. So that's a really small thing that Congress could fix with the snap of their fingers. Now, I understand that the snap of your fingers when you're in Congress is still like probably at least a month long process, but still. And also, I don't think this is, you know, uh, a divisive issue. I think both sides of the aisle would agree that we want to give young women opportunities. So that's something that you could fix. But again, it goes back to if you know you can break the rules and get away with it, why would you stop? And, and this is something that I think if you, you mentioned this earlier, the NCAA does not enforce Title IX. Technically, the federal government enforces Title IX. The NCAA can't even effectively enforce their own Excellent rules. <laughs> and so if the NCAA can't do that, how can we possibly get to a place, Lindsay, where Title IX is being effectively enforced? Technically, universities, they have compliance officials. They, they pay people to make sure they're in compliance, but as you and I know, who have followed these things over the years and covered these things, know that there's a lot of winks and nods and, and things that go on in, in those kinds of circumstances. So from a, a governmental standpoint, what can, what can we do? What can our elected officials do to make sure that there is some teeth in Title IX. So this is actually something that Congress has been talking about. Um, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut, who's very, a very outspoken critic of the NCAA in general, um, a big college sports fan. He's always like talking about the UConn women's basketball team. Um, he is planning to propose uh, new legislation. And one of the pieces of that legislation would be figuring out how to make the NCAA have to play along to the Title IX rules because it's weird to think about, okay, the federal government funds these colleges and then these colleges, their governing body doesn't have to play by the same rules. So it's, it's a strange, it's right. a strange setup. Now, lawyers that are smarter than me allegedly are working on how they could fix this. I think that it could get really problematic to try to make a private entity follow this federal law if they're not receiving federal funds. But again, the point that all the schools are receiving federal funds, there's something there. But I think that we, you know, they can propose legislation, whether it's new legislation, whether it's updating Title IX. We've updated other pieces of legislation throughout you know, the history of our country. Um, one thing is that, you know, President Biden has come out and he's made some executive, uh, announced some executive orders surrounding Title IX. We've seen that. I think that kind of the next phase of Title IX, because it also protects you from sexual harassment, sexual assault, is going to be protection for transgender students. So it's a matter, I, I think one of the biggest disconnects is we have a lot of lawmakers who have no idea who, how college sports work, uh, not even a little bit. <laughs> so 
I, but I do believe, you know, Representative Lori Trahan, who is from Massachusetts, I think, uh, she was a Division One volleyball player at Georgetown. Um, she gets it. Chris Murphy, Chris Murphy gets it. People are passionate about this. They want young women to have opportunities. Again, this is both sides of the aisle. So I'm going to choose to be optimistic that it can get better. But... Again, unless a bottom line is affected, schools aren't going to change. But if they, but at the very least, Congress could change that EADA rule that allows you to count male practice players. Easy fix. Easy fix. Let's start there. You know, change happens like incrementally. And finally, the latest Captain Obvious is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Alabama coach Nick Saban believes college football is heading down the path of mega conferences. During an appearance on another podcast, Saban lamented the way realignment has stripped the tradition associated with playing in the same conference over a prolonged period of time. He said, but I think we're going to deal with it in a greater capacity than ever because I think mega conferences are probably here to stay. I'll say it if you won't. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, what NFL teams look poised for Super Bowl runs ahead of training camp. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.